<clears throat> Good evening. My name is Lauren Lewis and I'll be your moderator for this evening's class. Welcome to another lecture given by the members of the Southfield, Michigan class. This is a school and it's not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Southfield, Michigan class was established in 1997. The Dean of the Southfield, Michigan class is Dr. Marvin Lewis, the president, Dr. Edward Yule, the vice president, Dr. Ronald Atkins, and the superintendent, Dr. Jarrell Lewis. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the father, the word or son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the word or son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and are not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part in a good dictionary or encyclopedia will prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language had any characters or letters in their alphabet that have produced the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Heavenly Father and His Son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, 
symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart is within the cloud. And like matter, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being. That is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plain as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Savior during the time that he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our primary constitutional objectives and or aims are as follows. First, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, cast, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the power of Satan and man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern practical and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition skepticisms, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation and ages. Seven, 
to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. A, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh, from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Our watchword, peace, slogan, speak the truth. Once again, I'd like to say good evening to the class and welcome. At this time, we would like to be dedicated in prayer by Dr. Sharon Lewis and scripture lesson, Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, read by Dr. April Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good evening, everyone. Let us all bow our hearts and minds and take a moment to give Yahweh the credit that he is due. We ask Yahshua that he allows us to continue on in these latter days and that we're able to come into a conscientious realization of Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. We ask that Yahweh, through Yahshua, guide us, protect us, and keep us in these days. And all these things we ask in our brother and Savior's name, Yahshua the Messiah, let the assembly say hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Lewis. Dr. Lewis. Good evening, class. This evening's scripture lesson will be Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. I'll be reading out of the King James Bible using the true name where appropriate. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Yahweh revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He have no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of Yahweh and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and Yahweh hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? 
for he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased Yahweh to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of Yahweh shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear the iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. That was Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis, for the prayer, and Dr. Lewis for the scripture lesson. Once again, I'd like to welcome everyone out for tonight's lecture, and we sincerely hope you enjoy the lecture. Tonight is Green Chart Thursday, or the creation pattern by its creator. I believe it, I may have said that wrong. Um, so at this time, we will turn it over to our host, Dr. Felicia Hamilton. Dr. Hamilton. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. And um, I'm just laughing because what happened earlier, if you were on, I started moderating and um, Dr. Lauren Lewis sent me a text and said, I thought it was me. I'm just, you know, when you're on autopilot, you just keep going. But I do appreciate her um, doing the moderation for me because this is um, Science Thursday um, and we will be going over um, a green chart. So let me bring that up and um, I'm going to ask my fellow co-hosts to um, help me out because what I want to do is share a, a video first that's the first thing I want to do is share a video um, and when we do that I know I have to share my sound so I, I see where the button is to do that but I want to make sure I get it right so today as our moderator said we are going to be talking about um, science and image of the creator the rising sun this is the pamphlet that was authored by the late Lejeune Gill of the Springfield Ohio branch and in this pamphlet, she goes over the many sciences that um, cover that are covered um, in the world. Today's section will be on genetics. That is section seven of this pamphlet. And genetics, if you don't know, is the study of heredity and the variation of inherited characteristics. So anything, any kind of um, inherent disease or abnormality that you may have genetics covers that. The portion of genetics we're going to cover is hemophilia. And um, hemophilia is a medical condition in which the ability of the blood to clot is severely reduced, causing the sufferer to bleed severely from even a slight injury. The condition is typically, typically caused by a hereditary lack of a coag coagulation factor, most often factor eight. And we're going to go over um, how that's significant um, by the pattern. So before we begin, what I would like to do, I'm going to share my screen. We're going to um, look at, like I said, a, a video. So Dr. Uh, Dorian Lewis, if you could stop the recording right now.
Um, okay, so Dr. Dorian Lewis is going to begin to read this section and um, I will interrupt as needed. Dr. Lewis. All right. Chapter seven, genetics, section A, hemophilia and its meaning. Hemophilia is an inherited condition in which the power to produce a sufficient amount of enzyme thermoblastin, I didn't say that right, thromboblast, thromboplastin contained right. in the platelets is reduced. The result is the failure of the blood to clot within a normal period of time, which could cause death from hemorrhage. Pause right there one second. So in the video, you saw those, those three factors that are needed to clot, and one of those was platelets. So here we're saying it's a failure of either the platelets or another one of those three factors that is reduced that causes hemophilia. Okay, go ahead. Hemophilia is a hereditary disease in which the blood does not clot or does so very slowly. A victim of this disease may die of a very trivial wound as it may be impossible to staunch the bleeding. Okay, pause. So in the video, you saw him uh, make a cut on his finger. As minor as that may seem, someone with hemophilia can actually bleed to death from a minor cut like that. Okay, go ahead. A person with this disease is known as a bleeder. The sufferers are always male, males. Although the hereditary disease does not affect the females, it is transmitted from the mother to her children. And this is gonna be very significant. And I know some of you are already thinking about how this relates to uh, Yashua the Messiah, but go ahead, Dr. Lewis. I think you put yourself on mute, Dorian. Okay, sorry about that. Mm -hmm. There are four substances essential to cause blood to clot. Prothro prothrombin, calcium, mm -hmm. thromboplastin, and fibrogen. 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 Thromboplastin is present. And thromboplastin is present in all the tissues of the body. It is produced whenever a tissue is injured. When blood comes into contact with cells that have been severed or otherwise injured, thromboblastin creates the formation of a clot. Mm -hmm. The substance heparin in the body, heparin, the substance yep. in the body is an anticoagulant, which will not permit the blood to clot. Under normal conditions, heparin is not present in the blood in sufficient quantities to be detected as an anticoagulant. Heparin is, a, is an acid present in the liver and lung tissue. When injected intravenously, it inhibits coagulation of the blood. Therefore, it is widely used in the treatment of thrombosis. Mm -hmm. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood is the carrier of life-giving oxygen and other nutrients. Romans 119 and 20 states that it takes the natural things that are made to understand the spiritual. Okay, pause right there, Dr. Lewis. I meant to stop you sooner, but um, as you can see from the two um, uh, pictures here, we have um, a healthy um, blood clotting and somebody that has hemophilia. So here, you know, it's a normal blood vessel. That vessel is punctured. The body is able to clot. 
in an abnormal or someone who has hemophilia, you have the normal blood vessel, you hemorrhage, and there's no ability to clot, so it continues. And like it was just red, the fog, I'm sorry, the, it's always affecting males. Females are never affected by this um, hereditary condition. However, females can be carriers. So here in this instance, you have a father and a mother. The father does not have hemophilia, and we know that XY makes it a male, but the mother is a carrier of the hemophilia gene because remember, once again, women cannot, women will never get the condition. They're only carriers. So that's that XX. We know two Xs makes it a female. So here, this is saying if they had four children, one male would not have it at all. Another male may get it. So here, this male has the um, has hemophilia, and it says a 50% chance that your son will have hemophilia. Then you have two girls. One girl does not have the trait or is a carrier. Another girl is, once again, a 50% um, chance that that girl will carry the hemophilia gene. If you take that back to um, something that we all can relate to, remember um, Dr. Lakeisha Cahey had sickle cell. So let's switch these. So instead of looking at it as um, hemophilia, let's look at it as sickle cell. So in sickle cell, you can have one parent that does not have the trait, another parent that does. Out of these four, one or two of the four will have the trait. Now, in order to get the actual disease sickle cell, one parent, both parents have to have the trait. So dad will have the trait, mom would have the trait, and one in three of their children would actually have the disease. Now, if you had uh, one of the parents that actually had the disease, it's still the same, um, the same percentages of children would actually get the disease. So it doesn't mean that if one of the parents had the trait, I'm sorry, the disease that all of the kids or one of the kids will have the disease, the odds are the same as if each parent had the trait. So just wanted to, to bring that in just so you can see the, um, uh, the difference or just to give you a real life example um, because heredity, so these are things that are hereditary. Hereditary conditions are not contagious. You can't catch them by being near someone with it or anything like that. These are diseases that are on that DNA line that's in one of those chromosomes that will um, and that will cause that child to have that um, either the disease or carry that trait. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Lewis. All right, I'll start that over. Mm -hmm. The life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood is the carrier of life-giving oxygen and other nutrients. Romans 1, 19 and 20 states that it takes the natural things that are made to understand the spiritual. We see that Eve, the mother of the human race, was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden and death was pronounced upon all mankind. Adam, her husband, was not deceived by Satan's lie, but because of his love for Eve, his bride, he partook of the forbidden fruit and died in his conscience along with her. Then Adam was driven out of the Garden of Eden to toil for a living. Eve became a carrier and passed it to her firstborn son, Cain, who proceeded to shed his bro brother's blood, Genesis 4, 9 through 10. Okay, so pause right there. So when you take that example, because remember, ultimately, we're talking about Yahshua the Messiah. Adam being the, I'm sorry, Adam is the first man, Yahshua is the second man, Adam. 
Adam is a figure of Yahshua the Messiah to come. So remember, Yahshua willingly died for his bride. So his bride would be the carrier because she's the one that committed that sin of disobedience to Yahweh. Adam knew that his wife was going to be kicked out of the garden per se. So he willingly died and went out with his wife. So what that involved, what that the consequence of that was that their firstborn Cain became infected with hemophilia or he was, um, yes, he became affected with hemophilia because the mother who was the one that committed the sin carried that sinful gene of disobedience, if that, if that makes sense. Okay, let's get um, Genesis 4, 9 through 10 so we can kind of follow that train of thought. That's Genesis 4 and 9. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh said unto Cain, where is Abel, thy brother? Mm -hmm. And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Okay, so now remember we were talking about hemophilia and how it's the body's inability to clot. Here Cain is the firstborn that's infected with the sin of his mother. He has spilled his brother's blood. That caused his brother to die. His brother bled to death. That was, you know, that wasn't the cause of his death, but I'm just using that example because when he struck him with that rod, you know, that outpoured blood. So here you got, you know, Cain killing his brother and spilling that blood. Okay, let's go to the next, uh, next portion, Dr. Lewis. The spilling of blood has come on down from Cain through the dispensations and ages. Mm -hmm. Jealousy and condemnation were the evil natures which caused Cain to murder his brother, Abel. The brothers of Joseph, the son of, the son of Jacob, displayed the same disposition towards Joseph because he was favored by his father, Jacob. They would have slain Joseph, but Yahweh intervened in a field, Genesis 37 okay. and 20. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you can pick that up, reader. So remember what we're talking about. We're talking about a condition where the body has an inability to clot. So if you look at it from the time that um, uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, or even if you want to look at it from a spiritual standpoint, um, Satan being kicked out of heaven, causing those um, angels to lose their first estate, that is a spiritual bleeding or spiritual blood. But here you have Adam and Eve and um, Cain in that garden spilled his brother's blood. So we're going to have that blood going all the way down through Yahshua the Messiah. Okay, if you can pick that uh, story of um, Jake Joseph up, please, reader. Mm -hmm. That's Genesis 37 and 20. Mm -hmm. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say some evil beasts have devoured him. And so pause right there. Remember, we're talking about, remember when we talk about the principles of blood, water, spirit, or death, burial, resurrection, remember they said they wanted to slay their brother. So that would be a death. That didn't happen because Yahweh intervened. So instead they threw him in a pit. That's still, that's still a manifestation of a death. Okay, go ahead, Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm. And we shall say what will become of his dreams. Mm -hmm. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. 
And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness mm -hmm. and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Mm -hmm. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren that they, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. Mm -hmm. And they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his, and his brethren were content. Okay, pause right there for one second, Dr. Lewis. So although they didn't slay Joseph, there is still a principle of death, burial, and resurrection there mm -hmm. because in their mind, they had him slain. Although like they said, Reuben um, forbade them or we know Yahweh intervened. So they threw him in that pit, that's a death. And he was buried in the darkness of that pit, that's the burial. But when the Midianites came and they pulled him out, that's a resurrection. So even within there, you have that death, burial, resurrection principle. Okay, mm -hmm. continue, Dr. Lewis. Mm -hmm, 28th verse. Mm -hmm. Then there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of, of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. So once again, you have another principle of blood. Remember, we're talking about hemophilia. Go ahead. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, this have we found. Know now whether it be thy, thy son's coat or no. Mm -hmm. And he knew it and said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast have devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Okay, pause right there, Dr. Um, uh, Dr. Lewis, because I remember now, remember in our scripture reading, we talked about how Yahshua the Messiah was bruised for our transgressions. Mm -hmm. So that coat of many colors that Joseph had Yahshua the Messiah fulfilled that when he was beat with those cat of nine tails because we all know when you bruise it can be all kind of colors mm -hmm. so that coat of many colors was Yahshua that Yahshua fulfilled that by the bruises that he received and I remember asking about that coat of many colors and what it represented um, a long time ago and this is why I you know when you when you have these ones that walk with Dr. Kenley Take advantage of just talking to them. Don't say to yourself, oh, I don't know them. They won't answer me. Yes, they will. So I actually wrote, um, I actually wrote Dr. Lejigun Gill a letter and asked her, what does that mean? I'm so confused at what that means with this coat of many colors. If Yahshua fulfilled all things, what is this pertaining to? And that's when she wrote back and said, it's his bruises. His bruises represent that coat of many colors. Because remember that coat of many colors also had you it was almost like it was one piece of fabric 
Now, once again, Yahshua fulfilled that, remember, because the coat that he had was like one piece of fabric. So it's, it's beautiful. Remember, everything we're talking about, it's going to relate and point to Yahshua, the Messiah. Okay, continue to read, Dr. Lewis. Okay, 34th verse. Mm -hmm. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. Mm -hmm. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, for I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, chief of the executioners. Mm -hmm. So we know how that story turned out because as, as Adam was, Joseph was a type of Yahshua the Messiah. Okay, go ahead and I'll begin reading again, Dr. Dorian Lewis. All right. Pharaoh, with the satanic spirit, persecuted Israel as a nation and held them in bondage to him, heaping heavy burdens on them and putting them in hard servitude. Pharaoh tried hard to destroy them, but they escaped him through the Red Sea, Exodus 14th chapter. And we all know that story of um, the escape of the children of Israel from Egypt. That's kind of covered in the moderation. Okay, continue. There are many types to reveal the transgression of Eve in the Garden of Eden and the punishment passed upon all mankind by her transgression. Mm -hmm. The word hemophilia means to love. Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to redeem us from the transgression of Adam and Eve, John 3.16. Yahshua the Messiah came into, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, Romans 8.3. Yahshua the Messiah, being in the form of Elohim, thought it not robbery to be equal with Yahweh, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Mm -hmm. So remember we talked about, and I'll have the reader get that scripture, but remember we talked about how Adam was um, a type and shadow of Yahshua the Messiah, how he, let's go back to this, he was not guilty of that sin. It was Eve that was guilty, but because of his love for his bride, he took upon himself that what she did and Yahweh kicked them both out. So remember, Yahshua is not guilty of any sin. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh, but for the love of his bride, us who carried that sin, he, um, he took on the sins, he took on our sins um, in order to release us from that. Okay, continue, Dr. Lewis. All right. All right, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Okay, he humbled himself. Uh, yep. All right. No, um, I'm sorry, Dr. Uh, um, oh. April Lewis is going to read that scripture. Oh, okay, I'm sorry about that. That's, um, that's okay. Philippians 2 and 6. Mm -hmm. Who, being in the form of Yahweh, thought it not robbery to be equal with Yahweh, but divested himself of his glory, and took it upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Continue, Dorian. 
All right. He redeemed us with his precious blood, we being his bride, as Eve was Adam's bride. As Adam willingly partook of the forbidden fruit, although he knew better, because of his love for his bride, Yahshua the Messiah, being the second Adam, took upon himself the sins of the world and bled for us to restore us into the grace of Yahweh. The woman passes, passes the disease hemophilia to her sons. She is a carrier of the disease just as Eve was a carrier and Yahshua the Messiah, the true son of Yahweh, born of a woman, shed his blood on the cross to redeem us from the curse. He carried our sorrows and was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes are we are healed. Mm -hmm. He was stricken, smitten of Yahweh, and afflicted. That's Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Mm -hmm. yes, that, that was our scripture lesson, go ahead. He went about healing all manners of, of disease, Matthew 8 and 16. Let's the get that scripture really quick. That's Matthew 8 and 16. Mm -hmm. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils or possessed with demons. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Go ahead. All right. The world is ignorant of the love of Yahweh and the gift of his son who shed his own blood for us and removed the law of sin and death from us. Mm -hmm. So can you see just even that portion right there, that last sentence, can you see how this would be what Yahshua had to take on, this disease of hemophilia or um, blood not clotting because, because of all the sins that went down all the way from Adam um, through to Yahshua the Messiah. All those sins um, were taken upon him. He took upon all those sins, so that's why it said um, the government shall be on his shoulders. He had a lot to bear. That's why um, Dr. Kenley says when you get down or when you get low, think about the sufferings of Yahshua and what he had to deal with. And that should kind of like lift you up a little bit because mm -hmm. we have not suffered anything unto this that Yahshua suffered. And it, it's amazing when I think about it and I'm humbled by that because I know as he wasn't a carrier, but he, he he's dealing with the disease. It's like, wow, you know, what kind of love is that? you know, that we're called sons of the Most High Elohim. Okay, go ahead and uh, continue, Dr. Lewis. The world is spilling the blood of the sons of Yahweh by their unbelief. Mm -hmm. They crucified the Messiah to themselves and put him to an open shame. Hebrews 6 and 6. Mm. We are not redeemed by gold and silver and works and other sacrifices, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. First Peter mm -hmm. 18 through 19. Okay, let's get those two scriptures first. Um, Hebrews 6 and 6. Reader, please. That's Hebrews 6 and 6. Mm -hmm. If they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto mm -hmm. repentance. Mm -hmm. Seeing they crucified to themselves the son of Yahweh. I'm sorry. Seeing they crucified to themselves the son of Yahweh afresh and mm -hmm. put him to an open shame. Mm -hmm. And what was that? First Peter. Second, I'm sorry. Yeah, First Peter one eighteen through nineteen. Okay, First P. 
Peter 1 and 18. Mm -hmm. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corrupt with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Messiah as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Mm -hmm. So this is why we're so passionate. Um, those that Yahweh has allowed to not only be introduced to this gospel, but to stand in it and maintain it. This is why we're so passionate about these cardinal ordinances that the world teaches you that you should still do because Yahshua the Messiah suffered greatly to put an end to these things so that you are no longer in your sins. But the world, because they um, don't have a love of the truth, they will keep telling you that you have to keep doing these things. And it's all we know is for filthy lucre's sake. So the world keeps telling you that you have to do these things Yahshua died the death of an outcast dog. And sometimes I think even the death of an outcast dog is better than what he went through. Because when you really, hopefully when um, so-called Easter comes around, we'll talk about this crucifixion and what actually was done to this body. You will appreciate what he did. But because the world keeps saying you have to do this, what they're saying is that all that he went through was a lie. All that he went through was for not. We don't care about how you came in to fulfill all these things. We're going to take it upon ourselves because we're better than you, pretty much is what they're saying. We know we can, there are things we can do to save our own selves. We can keep these Ten Commandments. We're going to keep these Passovers, no matter what you did and what was done to you to remove this and take this out of the way, we're still going to do it. That's more than a slap in the face. You are crucifying Yahshua afresh. So every time, you know, this is done, especially for those that have been introduced to this gospel and Yahweh has told that he fulfilled it. You go back and do these things. Your last state is worse than your first because you know that Yahshua fulfilled these things. He moved them out of the way. He took those chains of bondage off of us so that we can be free to worship him in spirit and in truth, and then you go back and do it, there is no forgiveness for that. Yahshua is saying, look at what I did. I spilled all this blood. I bled for 4,000 years. The blood was, you know, there in, in, a, in a type, not saying those people that came before him, like Joseph and Adam, were Yahshua the Messiah. They were types of Yahshua the Messiah. And you see that blood principle there. But it's Yahshua the Messiah that had to bleed for us to be free from all those carnal works of the law. So now here, you know, like I said, Christian churches say you are redeemed by works. We just told you, no, you're not. You're redeemed by the blood of Yahshua the Messiah, the precious blood. So when you bring it into the body of Yahshua, which is us, his bride, so when a brethren suffers a cut or a laceration, other brethren come to their aid by preaching the gospel. You know, the preaching of the gospel is like that cascade of clotting factors. Remember in the video that we showed that when uh, that person receives a cut, there are those, and I said three in the beginning, but it's four. There are those four factors that come to the aid and they help to build up um, a blockage of that cut so the person doesn't stop bleeding. So how is that relating to coming to the aid of a brethren? 
if a brother is down or if they're hurting because we're all one body, they hurt, we hurt. So then how do we stop that laceration or how do we come to the aid of that clot to stop that brethren from bleeding to death, so to speak? We preach the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. What do we preach? We preach, excuse me, we preach blood, water, spirit, death, burial, resurrection, um, law, prophets, fulfillment. Continuing to do that, that's that cascade of factors that clots that uh, laceration and heals it. And there's another um, video that I wanted to show, but it was a way too long, it, where it shows the buildup of those factors that forms that scab. We all know when you get a cut, you have a scab. And what that is doing, those are fibers underneath. Once that scab forms, those fibers underneath are, are making like a cross or network of fabric. So remember how uh, we talk about with the um, the elementary chart, how it looks like uh, a table or a net. So there, uh, there's like a net of, um, uh, I think it's fibrogen that forms, and it does look like a net that that holds those um, platelets there to clot to clog that um, cut so that that blood doesn't go out anymore. So us being brethren, it's like we're, you know, we're all holding hands with one another to help and aid that brother and that suffering so that that clot, I'm sorry, that cut can stop bleeding. How do we stop the bleeding? Once again, preaching the gospel, it's going to be okay. Think on Yahshua, give Yahshua your attention, just study and, you know, things like that. That's how we stop. And sometimes, and I'll speak to myself. There used to be a time where I didn't want to hear that. I wanted to be in my funk. You know, I wanted to be in a funk. I wanted to be in the bad mood or whatever. I just leave me alone. But if you have the true love of the brethren, they don't care if you want to be like that. They're going to preach the gospel to you anyway. And that is a representative of the love that Yahshua has for us. So that clotting let's say that person is suicidal and they're hemophiliac and they cut themselves. You know, they know that doing that will cause them to bleed. That's kind of like being in their funk. But us being the, the bride of Yahshua the Messiah and knowing what this gospel, the power of this gospel can do for us, we're always there for those brethren to help stop the bleeding. Now, a lot of times you may think, and this is nothing but the satanic spirit, oh, don't nobody care about you or, or he'll make you feel like you're alone or nobody you know, thinks about you. That's just a trick of the satanic spirit. He doesn't want that cut to heal. He wants you to continue bleeding so that your soul is just like, uh, I, I got to end it all. Nobody cares about me. Nobody cares if I'm here. Don't believe that. The brethren are always there. We may not know if you don't tell us. And sometimes brethren are just busy. It doesn't mean we don't love you and we don't care. We, we care about everybody that's in this body because we're all one and the same. So continue always to preach the gospel to other brethren because we need that. Uh, me first. I know I need it when I'm down. Um, and that that preaching of the gospel is that um, clotting factor that we all need because we know Yahshua the Messiah is the only one that Yahweh will accept. And it's his spirit in us that's what clots, that's what cuts off that laceration. And that's what allows us those antibodies and those platelets and, and, and thriboplastin 
to heal that uh, wound and to um, to um, uh, stop that bleeding. All through time, what Yahshua the Messiah did when he came in, remember he came in in this specially prepared body. And I love the way um, Dr. Sharon Lewis brought this out. He came in a specially prepared body because this body was the ultimate container for the blood that would be sufficient to be sacrificed so that we all can no longer be in sin. This body was the only body. This body was the container, the only container all throughout history that was sufficient to carry that special precious blood. Remember, it is his blood that we are healed. So because he did this, he removed all these things from us. We don't have anything left to do but to learn and know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists. So I know this one was a little bit shorter, but I thought this was so pretty. Once Yahweh shows you how everything, not some things, but everything goes by this beautiful pattern. And if he has shown you anything, you can count yourself not only blessed, but you count yourself as a son of Yahshua the Messiah in this gospel because it's the only thing that's going to allow us that eternal life in the newer state. So with that, I'm going to turn it back over to the moderator. And well, before I do, do are there any questions or clarifications? I know we have a couple of people on that um, have history in the medical field. So any questions or clarifications anyone has at all or any comments? Nothing. Okay. Um, wait, I don't. I don't have any comments or anything like that. But I did have something I wanted to share. That uh, I found is it related about. to this? Can I stop? Is it related to this, Connor? It's related to genetics. And the okay, go Yahweh. ahead. Mm -hmm. All right. Cool. All right. Um, so I don't actually have. Let me see if I can explain it the best way I can. So mm -hmm. according to the genetics, it's the way Yahweh made it. It's very interesting. There's a code that uh, all genes uh, follow. It's uh, it's a number number code, and I'm a. So basically, the way it works is the DNA, and the way it made it has uh, they call them sulfuric bridges between the DNA strands. So this is what holds it together. And there's a code for it. It's a number code. And the number code is 10565. So every 10 genes, there's a bridge, every five, every six, every uh, five, and it goes in that order repeatedly. But it's very interesting because if you compare it with the name of Yahweh, the Tetragrammaton, the Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew word or letters Yad He Wav He, actually in the Hebrew alphabet have the same code, which is ten five six five, and it, I just wanted to share it because we were talking about genetics and I found out about it last night and it's just. Mm -hmm. So beautiful oh. how the name of Yahweh is right there in the genetics. 
Thank you, Dr. Uh, Mezzarell. So what, what I'm going to charge you to do, because this is a school, can you put together a presentation on that and share it with us later? Sure. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And I'll turn it back over to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Hamilton, for that beautiful testimony. And for our next speaker, visiting with us from our Madison, Wisconsin branch, we'd like to call on Dr. Sasha, excuse me, Sasha Rockmilovich. Uh, Dr. Rockmilovich. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yes, good evening. Well, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here and to be a part of the gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah, and to be able to share the things which Yahshua has um, uh, shown to me. So all the brethren uh, can be hopefully edified. So I, I really enjoyed uh, this uh, scientific uh, presentation about uh, hemophilia, and there are, uh, you know, beautiful uh, principles about it as was already uh, discussed, and it can be looked, you know, uh, as as we know, Romans 1, 19 and uh, 20 is saying that um, uh, the invisible things of our creator uh, can be understood from uh, the things that he made. And uh, he made our physical body, its uh, anatomy and physiology, and uh, how blood functions, how clotting of the uh, blood functions. And uh, there are spiritual principles about it. And you can look at it from uh, uh, different uh, uh, perspectives. And uh, that's one of them I would like to uh, talk about as a you know, as, in, as, as a parallel, as another um, uh, facet of um, the story about he hemophilia. Now, hemophilia, as was already uh, said, it's, uh, you know, it's a medical condition where uh, in normal circumstances, the bleeding uh, is stopped, you know, after a short while, but with a uh, hemophilia, condition, it's uh, perpetual bleeding. So it's, it, uh, it cannot be stopped and it can be uh, threatening for, uh, for people, uh, people's life. Now, in the Bible, and uh, uh, let, me, uh, um, uh, let me go back uh, for a second. We were uh, talking uh, in the beginning that uh, the it affects uh, man. So this disease affects man and that's women uh, or women are, are carriers of uh, this uh, gene and they don't manifest it, but the man manifest. Now, according again, according to Romans 1, 19 and 20, if we look at uh, Israel, Israel in the purpose of Yahweh, Israel under the Mosaic law. Would you say that uh, 
Israel will be represented as a man? Or would you say that Israel will be represented as a woman? Israel is a woman. Uh, say it again. I'm sorry. As a woman. Yeah. She was the bride of. Right. Well, in uh, in reality, it's it's both. Because you remember, uh, could you show the Moses chart, please? So it's like, uh, uh, right, so when uh, the children of uh, Israel came out of uh, Egypt, you remember that Yahweh uh, asked to number the Israelites, but the women and children were not numbered. Mm -hmm. Only men, only men were numbered, like 20 years, uh, all the men of uh, war. It was uh, 603,550, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And uh, collectively, Israel is called uh, by Yahweh as his son, not his, do his daughter in in the in instance I'm talking about, but his son. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's read uh, Exodus 4 and 22. That's Exodus 4 and 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus saith Yahweh, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Right, so Israel is like Yahweh's firstborn son. Now let's get a confirmation because we remember Isaiah 8 and 20 to the law and to the prophets. So when we go to the prophets, we read uh, Hosea 11 and 1, please. That's Hosea 11 and 1. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Right. So Israel is likened to a son or is likened to a man. But it's also true that Israel is likened to a woman. Uh, for example, uh, Jeremiah 6 and 2. That's Jeremiah 6 and 2. Okay. I have likened the daughter of Zion to a comely and delicate woman. Right, and the daughter of Zion, it's another name for Israel. And uh, the scripture, which we are all familiar with, but let's, uh, let's read it again, Jeremiah 31, 31. Mm -hmm. That's Jeremiah. I, I have it. Jeremiah, okay, uh -huh. mm -hmm. Jeremiah 31 and 31. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. Right, so Yahweh saying that he was a husband uh, unto them or unto Israel. So Israel in this sense is a woman. 
And uh, I understand that it, uh, it can be uh, confusing, but if we, if we uh, understand, you know, manifestations and principles, you know, the interaction uh, between manifestations and principles, we'll understand that there can be different kind of manifestations pointing out to uh, uh, one principle. Or there can be it can be one manifestation, which can point out to different uh, uh, principles. Well, for example, if we uh, if we take um, the bride of Yahshua mm -hmm. in the Bible, so we are collectively a bride of Yahshua, mm -hmm. or assembly of the souls of the people who Yahshua has chosen to salvation and uh, gave to his spirit. We mm -hmm. collectively represent, you know, the uh, bride of Yahshua. But do we also, are we also called son of Yahshua? Mm -hmm. Remember First John uh, 3 and 1? Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time on it, but let's, uh, Let's read First John 3 and 1. That's First John 3 and 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Yahweh. Right. So we are called, and we know the scriptures, like Ephesians uh, 5 and 25, uh, the assembly is called the wife or bride of Yahshua. Here, we are called uh, the sons of Yahweh. If we read uh, first uh, Peter second chapter two and five, you will find out that the assembly of the believers are called the temple because we spiritually repre represent the temple of uh, Yahweh. So mm -hmm. there are all different manifestations, mm -hmm. you know, for, you know, for the same principle. And, and Yasha also called, you know, his uh, uh, disciples, you know, uh, my, uh, my friends. So we are the friends of Yahweh. We are, we are brethren uh, of Yahweh. We are his children, you know, or his uh, sons or his wife. So it's all, you know, it depends what principle we are working with. Mm -hmm. So my point, my point is that uh, if we look in the Bible, we'll find out that Israel, as the woman, had a problem with bleeding. Right. Okay. Now, uh, and what does this represent, this problem of bleeding? So the, uh, under Mosaic law, the Israel, Israelites, uh, they continuously sinned because nobody was found righteous under this mm. old covenant. So mm. therefore, they had to bring to, uh, 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 to the uh, tabernacle uh, sacrifices. And it was uh, bloody sacrifices, sacrifice after sacrifice, like daily sacrifices were um, uh, brought into uh, into the uh, tabernacle, showing forth that uh, 
you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, sinful uh, nature of uh, Israelites, and uh, so they had, you know, uh, they they had to, you know, to to bring the sacrifices. The sacrifices, as was already pointed out in the beginning, all the sacrifices are collectively pointing out to Yahshua the Messiah, who is the ultimate sacrifice. But uh, the uh, Israelites could not obtain righteousness uh, or could not be healthy from the spiritual standpoint because for them, righteousness under this old covenant was achievable only by works, only right. by keeping commandments of Yahweh. Let's read it in um, Deuteronomy 6, I think it's 625, uh, maybe 24. 24, probably. Okay, let's do Deuteronomy 6 and 24. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these things, I'm sorry, if we observe to do these commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he hath commanded us. <clears throat> right, so this will be uh, Israel's righteousness uh, to keep all these commandments. But in Psalms uh, 14 and 1 and uh, in other places, I think we'll go to a couple of them. It's saying that they were not able to keep these commandments. And Yahweh said that it's, there is no one righteous, not no one. So let's uh, go to Ezekiel chapter 36 and start reading from verse 17. That's Ezekiel 36 and 17. Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way, by doing their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Right, so and uncleanness of the removed woman, mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, the bleeding. Uh, mm -hmm. of the of the woman uh, continue on mm -hmm. wherefore i poured my fury upon them for the blood that they have shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they have polluted it and i scattered them among the heathen and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings i judged them thank you so uh, Yahweh is uh, comparing the sins of uh, Israel to the uncleanness of, uh, of the removed uh, uh, woman. So mm -hmm. let's read the confirmation in Isaiah 64 and 6. That's Isaiah 64 and 6. But we are all as an unclean thing, and our righteousness are as filthy rags, mm -hmm. and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. 
right. And uh, if you look, look up this uh, filthy rags, what it means, it means it's like a cloth which uh, a woman uh, using mm -hmm. during her, you know, her uh, cycle. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this uh, uh, woman's uh, cycle or bleeding is uh, likened to this uh, unrighteousness or to perpetual sacrifices, which uh, Israel had to uh, bring uh, to the altar in this uh, tabernacle. Uh, because again, the righteousness could not be achieved by keeping uh, Yahweh's commandments. And why it wasn't achievable? Because as it says in Deuteronomy 5 and uh, 29, they didn't have the heart in them to keep okay. Yahweh's commandments. So right. Yahweh had to change the people, change uh, Israel, to give Israel uh, this uh, new heart uh, to restore Israel and how uh, uh, it's been done. And it was already uh, uh, talked in the beginning of this lecture. I don't want to go into all this again, but it's only by sacrifice of Yahshua the Messiah. It's only Yahshua through the, you know, by his sacrifice, by him dying uh, for our sins and fulfilling this law, you know, uh, the Israel, I mean, physical Israel, uh, you know, would be able to, uh, to be righteous, not by following this old uh, covenant uh, commandments or Mosaic law, but by uh, grace, by being saved from this old covenant uh, and uh, by, uh, by Yahshua after his death, burial and the resurrection and ascension, giving uh, his disciples and other Israelites later on his spirit. And uh, so, which happened on, uh, on the day of Pentecost and it's happening now with all Israel, and I mean in this uh, time, not only physical Israel, but spiritual Israel, because spiritual Israel are those who are uh, circumcised, not after the flesh, but after the spirit, we can right. read about in Romans 2.28. But what I would like to show you, I would like to show you how Yahshua fulfilled, you know, uh, this uh, um, kind of a hemophilia a problem mm -hmm. we were talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's uh, go to Matthew chapter nine and read verses from 20 to 22. That's Matthew nine and 20. And behold, a woman which had an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Yahshua turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is a short story, but this is a very important story because 
you know, it's, it really shows uh, what's happening and how Yahshua uh, is uh, healed, you know, this woman uh, from this issue of blood, but it's also uh, allegorical of Yahshua healing Israel from uh, this bringing these bloody sacrifices year mm -hmm. after year and also pertains to us, how he is uh, healing us from the same issue. Because you may say, well, we don't have a tabernacle anymore and I certainly am not a farmer, so I don't bring a bloody sacrifices, but right. it's uh, ingrained uh, in uh, some people, especially those who are brought up in Christianity, this old covenant mentality of works that we need to do something to uh, to be righteous now there is a woman with the issue of blood and notice that uh, it was 20 uh, 12 years the uh, she had this issue of blood or, or bleeding so why 12 years because this woman is the type of israel uh, uh, we're talking about 12 tribes of Israel. So right. it's allegorical of Israel. Now, mm -hmm. there are two interesting uh, things about it, how she was healed. Now, she was definitely healed not by the law, but by faith. And right. how do I know that? Because according to the law, if you read the book of Leviticus, I don't want to take time uh, to go there because I want to leave somebody sometime. Uh, if you go to the book of Leviticus, you will find out So, if the woman has an issue of blood, she is considered to be unclean, mm -hmm. and this woman is prohibited touching anybody, even close yes. of mm -hmm. anybody, but she did in spite of this law, because she had the faith that Yasha will be able to uh, heal her, and she touched the hem of his garment. Now, why this woman would have this uh, strong faith that Yasha would be able to heal her by touching, by her touching the hem of his garment? Mm -hmm. Well, because we need to go again to the law and to the prophets to answer this question. So what the hem of the garment represents? So let's go to Numbers chapter 15. And please read verses from 37 to 40. That's Numbers 15 and 37. And Yahweh spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue, and it shall be unto you for a fringe, that ye may look upon it and remember all the commandments of Yahweh and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which ye used to do, after which ye used to go a whoring, that ye may remember and do all my commandments and be holy unto your Elohim. Thank you. So the uh, border of the garment and border is the same as the hem 
uh, of the garment. So it was for memorial for uh, children of Israel to keep the commandments of Yahweh. So it was uh, symbolical with uh, keeping Yahweh's commandments, the hem of the garment. Now, it was a prophecy in the book of Malachi pertaining to that. Let's read Malachi 4 and 2. That's Malachi. Oh, get it? Go ahead. Okay. That's Malachi 4 and 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the star. Thank you. So it was a prophecy about the Messiah is coming, the Messiah who will be coming. And he is called the son, S-U-N, son of righteousness. And uh, so that, that was already known about Yahshua the Messiah that he was, uh, he was healing people and there were rumors going on that uh, he was, you know, uh, the Messiah, like in the end of the first chapter of uh, John, where reading like in the beginning of his ministry, it's already uh, some people recognize him as uh, being the Messiah. But now this prophecy was that the son of righteousness is coming with the healing in his wings. Now, if you look up the word wings in the Strong's Concordance, you'll find out that this is the same word as the word borders or hem in Numbers 15th chapter, which we just mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. So it was a prophecy, the Messiah mm. or son of righteousness is coming with this healing in the hem of his garment. Mm -hmm. So this woman mm -hmm. is touching the hem of his garment and she's being healed from uh, this uh, bleeding. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, it's, uh, it has a very uh, deep spiritual meaning which was already addressed uh, by the previous uh, speaker. And the meaning is that the hem of the garment represents keeping Yahweh's commandments. And Yahshua was the only one uh, who was able to keep uh, Yahweh's commandment because he had no sin uh, upon him. So he was able to keep the commandments and to righteously fulfill Yahweh's commandment. So touching uh, the hem of Yahshua's garment, it would, uh, would, uh, would, uh, would be uh, allegorical uh, to believing that Yahshua is the only one who can keep Yahweh's commandment or the believing that Yahshua is the one who fulfilled all these uh, uh, Yahweh's uh, commandments given uh, under, under this old covenant and took them out of the way. So we don't mm -hmm. need to bring, you know, these bloody sacrifices uh, year after year. In Hebrews 9 chapter, it's talking about that Israel had to bring these sacrifices year after year, but 
Yasha, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, he is the ultimate sacrifice, which was uh, uh, given or, you know, just once and for all, and there is no more uh, sacrifices acceptable for sins. Now, yeah. and how it uh, pertains to us now? Well, it's uh, interesting because uh, like uh, one or couple days ago, I was talking from a brethren from one of the schools. And uh, this uh, uh, brother told me, or this person told me that uh, uh, she or he, uh, you know, had uh, problems because he had like a doubt, did, uh, is Yasha saving me? Because do I have enough faith? What do I, what do I have to do to have enough faith so I can mm -hmm. feel that Yashua is in me? And that's mm -hmm. what people are go through, through, through this kind of a, you know, mind uh, game or uh, psychological and spiritual uh, warfare. Now, if you think about it, so this person is thinking that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, he or she can do something or can work on, uh, on faith to, to be able to, uh, you know, to be acceptable right. to our creator. And this is breeding mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. this is offering sacrifices. What, need, what do I need to do? What do I need to offer? you know, to please Yahweh. Mm. So this is bleeding. Mm. And what's the remedy for, from this uh, bleeding mm. in our, you know, uh, spiritual uh, warfare? Just, you know, instead of focusing on our faith, do I have enough faith? Do I have a little faith? Just to understand that faith is uh, Yahweh's gift. Just to understand that Yahshua fulfilled all these, uh, you know, mosaic uh, law with right. all this, I should, I have to. Right. He fulfilled, he nailed it to the cross. Mm -hmm. I see five minutes left, thank you. So now salvation is by grace. So instead of focusing, what do I have or what do I lack? Let's focus on Yahshua who is right. the author and the finisher of our faith. And then, you know, if he took it out of the way, it should be freedom. It should be just desire, you know, not to pray uh, to Yahshua, give me enough faith, give me enough faith, but to praise him for giving, because he given us faith in uh, uh, just enough, in the way he wants us to give it. To some, mm -hmm. it may be more, to some it may be less, but as Dr. Kinley said, you know, a little bit of the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter how much or how less, but what we need to do is to appreciate that this is a gift. And uh, another thing before I uh, finish, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so this bleeding, this bleeding of this woman uh, during uh, 12 years, when the woman uh, physiologically 
have a, a bleeding during her cycle. During that time, this woman is not uh, able to bring forth offspring, right. to bring forth fruit. That's how Yahweh created us. Why did he do that? To show that while, you know, under this old covenant, by bringing all these bloody sacrifices, Israel wasn't able to bring forth spiritual uh, fruits. Oh. And it's showing us if we, you know, trying to offer all kind of, uh, you know, uh, carnal ways of worship or uh, sacrifices to uh, our uh, creator instead of just uh, receiving or accepting his grace, we are not able to bear spiritual right. fruits. But when we accept his grace, you know, we are bearing his fruits, which are described in fifth chapter of Galatians. And you can see on this chart on the upper left uh, corner, it's love and uh, uh, long suffering and wisdom and mm -hmm. knowledge and all the fruits which are pleasing to our creator. So mm -hmm. I hope it was understandable and uh, praise and glory be to Yahweh through Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Dr. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and for our next speaker, it is an honor and a pleasure to call on from our Saginaw class, Dr. Philip Crook. Good evening, class. Good evening. Always a pleasure to give a testimony of our Savior, our brother, Yahshua. I enjoyed the previous speaker, especially with some of the things that he revealed tonight. With the children of Israel, being not only as bride, but also as husband. And it led me to thinking about what separates us in this school is that we go by those principles and we go by those precepts and all that. Can you get that for me, line upon line? Mm -hmm. Take it up a verse. Okay. Isaiah 29, uh, mm -hmm. 9 and 10. Mm -hmm. That's Isaiah. Oh, Isaiah 28, sorry, mm -hmm. 9 and 10. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That's Isaiah 28. You want me to go up, Philip? Yeah, take it up and get the train of thought so we bring it on down. All Just right. Morning. All right. Let's, um, Isaiah 28 and... Five. Mm -hmm. In that day shall Yahweh of hosts be for a crown of glory and for a diadem of beauty unto the residue of his people. And his peoples mm -hmm. are the children at this time. It's going to children you have the children of Israel being his people. You know, so that's the children of Israel. So he chose them to be the one through Moses who he introduced himself to, to introduce his name. Remember, no one knew his name until he introduced himself to Moses. Moses was a Hebrew, part of the children of Israel. Continue. 
excuse me, and for a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment, and for strength to them, I'm sorry, and for strength to, to them that turn the battle to the gate. But they also erred with wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Don't mean to be rude, but I'll interject every now and then. No problem. But see, although they was his chosen ones, they was far from perfect. That's right. They was far from purpose because what you're dealing with because of the transgression of Adam and Eve, they were um they were carnal minded. So they were dead as far as a spiritual standpoint, but from a natural standpoint, he chose them. Not because they was these good of people, but because really he saw good in Abraham. You know, that's why he chose them. It wasn't nothing about had nothing to do with them, why he chose the children of Israel. He chose the children of Israel because he saw the good in Abraham, who was known as the father of Jews. And he's also known as the father of many nations. But just because you, Yahweh Elohim had chose the children of Israel to, to be his chosen one who will introduce himself and show forth the power of his name, that doesn't mean they were perfect. Continue. Mm -hmm. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. They are out of the way through strong drink. They err in prophetic vision. They stumble. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, and that strong wine, when you think about wine, you mm. think about getting intoxicated. And when you get intoxicated, you do a lot of things. You're not in control of what you're doing. Ain't no telling what you're doing. Well, mm. here you fast forward to... Our present day time, the wine that a lot of people are drinking is these false prophets, these false, these false God story about the creator. They believe his name, Lord God. They don't even believe as a creator. You know, you got atheists, Jesus, Jehovah. They believe in everything but Yahweh Elohim. And they are very highly intoxicated in their belief on who they feel their creator is. And when someone like you who's filled with the Holy Spirit preach the gospel to them, it's like, you know, water and oil, they can't feel it because they're in darkness, you're in the light, and they are intoxicated off of those false doctrines that they believe in. This is the present day, but back then, from a natural standpoint, they were actually doing a lot of things from a natural standpoint, which had them disobeying a lot of the laws that Yahshua had gave them. Yahweh have gave them. Continue. Mm -hmm. They err in prophetic vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there is no place clean. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. We know coming through this class, that is Isaiah 8 and 20, the law and the prophet, which is the scriptures. Those who are weaned from the scriptures, understanding what was said in the law in the scriptures concerning who? Was it me or you? No, mm -hmm. concerning Yahshua. Right. Everything that was going on 
and through the law and the scriptures was pointing to Yahshua and thus being weaned from the milk, as being weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Those are those are our breastplates, the law and the testimony. Continue. Mm-hmm. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So you're looking at the elementary chart. You know, we have 40 place charts. And if you line them up, they're going according to a threefold pattern right there, as you see with Abel, with Adam. And you got them three, you have, you know, as we know, we have some is an upward, some was a downward. But when you line them up, the blood principle will be lined up, mm. the water principle will be really lined up, and mm. the spirit. And we know blood, water, and spirit is synonymous with death, burial, and resurrection. Because who gave up the blood, who died? See what I'm saying? Yahweh, it was his death. He gave up the blood. Yahweh was buried. Water is a form of burial. Who resurrected? The Holy Spirit. These are synonymous. They are synonymous with one another. Blood, water, spirit, death, burial, and resurrection. All these things on these charts are giving us an understanding according to the pattern with the principles lined up. We're working with those principles. Now, the manifestation, as you see, as Dr. Saucer explained, they might change. We don't get caught up on the manifestation. We want right. to get caught up with the principles. This, right. is, this is what I got from what he was saying. And we're showing you how important these are. So when you hear that first, when you hear something like, were well, the children of Israel, were they the bride or were they the husband? Right off, even with us being in class, we know we are the brides. But oh, according to the story, you know, in that which particular time, as he showed you, they could be born with scriptorial backing. Right. One more he just was saying that he brought thought of to say. He gave you some scriptorial, and it wasn't about the manifestation, how we got to understand it, but the principle. That's right. Of the story. So continue. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. Now them stammering lips now. Remember, that's another thing that's important. It's got to be repeated over and over again. Why does it have to be repeated over and over again? And we get off into these principles. They laughed at Moses when a lot of people found out that Moses spoke with a slow tongue and that meant that he stuttered. They laughed at him from a manifestation because people tend to laugh at people with disabilities. You mm. know, they laughing at, oh, Moses, da, 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 oh, man, why would he pick somebody like that? Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't so much about him stuttering that you should get caught up on, but what the principle or the re spiritual reality of it is that everything that's going to be taught about our Savior and Creator has to be repeated over and over again. You can never get up off blood, water, spirit. You can never get up off death, burial, and resurrection. 
every time you speak of Yahshua, you're going to show forth how he died, how he buried, how he resurrected, according to the scripture. That is the gospel. That's how you preach the gospel of our Savior. It's according to the scriptures, how he died, and how they pointed out that he would die, he would bury, and be resurrected. And you got to go blood, 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 blood. Water, water, water. You got to go over it. Uh, I heard that before. I don't want to hear that, but it don't matter because each time you hear the story, you're going to hear something different. Romans 1, 19 and 20. Read that right quick. That's Romans 1 and 19. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For Yahweh hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and supernal nature, so that they are without excuse. So we know what that is saying. We know Yahweh's pure spirit as stated in the moderation. And in his pure spirit state, he cannot be understood. You can begin to scrutinize him to see how he is. So for the love that he had for his offspring, which is the creation, which is us, he had to take on shape and form. That's why we have shape and form. And he took on shape and form, not in flesh and blood, but as a but as shape and form without flesh and blood, as a superior and corporal being. He was the highest of all angels. This is Yahweh Elohim. He took on shape and form as Elohim. And as Elohim, Elohim was able to create everything that we know that exists. It didn't take all of Yahweh to create the creation. And later on, he manifested himself in the flesh, which was necessary for him to do in order for us to have salvation. He had to come down in the flesh, die death of an all cast off, and be that sacrifice, sacrificial lamb, which was slain from the foundation of the earth which is Yahweh taking on shape and form as Elohim. You know, that's the first crucifixion. So he had to come and die. The beginning, or the ending is declared from the beginning. He had to come and die the, of an outcast dog to redeem those children of Israel. But he had to come in and fulfill the law that he had gave them. And how he fulfilled those laws according to the scriptures. And he did all that. He did all that for us to be saved from a spiritual standpoint, not from a carnal standpoint. So when you understand Romans 1, 19 and 20, it takes the natural to understand the spiritual. So when I say we got to repeat everything, we got to go over everything and you can't get impatient because we're going over some of the same scriptures or some saying the same thing because just like that movie, your favorite movie, that you love to watch, every time you watch it, what do you do? <laughs> you see something that you didn't see before. Mm -hmm. I don't care how many times, because the more you get familiarized with it, the more you're able to see things that you didn't recognize before. You know, so that's a natural expanding the spirituality of why we must continue to preach this gospel because Yahshua, Yahweh El and these three are one. That is his supernal nature. And that tabernacle pattern, which he instructed Moses to build, 
and the wilderness of Sinai was going to show, and this is going to be everything. You're going to be able to lay everything from a principal standpoint on that tabernacle pattern to prove something about our creator, our savior, Yahshua. And one thing we know about a pattern, what we know, what do we know about a pattern? Anybody know? This is a school. You get the every same results. Mm -hmm. You get the same results every time. Pretty mm -hmm. much consistency. Mm -hmm. Consistency. And it's through that tabernacle pattern that we're able to show forth and prove. And through those scriptures, through those encyclopedias, through those dictionaries, through science, you know what I'm saying? Through the creation, you know, which is patterning at the hill. You know, the earth consists of a crust, a core, and a mantle. We, we bear those who've been in here. And if you knew, keep coming. That pattern is consistent. And we got to repeat everything. We got to go over everything. And we work and we get an understanding of these stories. And we don't get caught up on the manifestation of the story, but the principle of the story. And that is what I got. That's what I got from the previous speaker, Sasha, when he was displaying the things as using the children of Israel, showing forth how forth. They are not only in the type of shadow of Yahshua and the sight, being a husband, or Yahweh Elam being a husband and a bride, and they show forth a scriptural backing, it's because of the principle of the story and because of the tabernacle pattern explaining to our creator, Yahweh Elohim, who is both what? Mother and father to us all. The children of Israel was his son. His son going to come in his image, being what? mother and father you know so and it's going on the principle not the manifestation and that's what i got and i like to tell everybody keep coming to class that's right keep coming to class because every time i just that was just something new to me See what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> i've been i've been in class for about what an hour and five minutes right 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 yeah <laughs> <laughs> from a spiritual standpoint been in mm -hmm. class only an hour and five minutes so that was something new to me and mm -hmm. it ain't you never too old to learn and we're going to be learning from ages to come so we ain't going to get it all so we need mm -hmm. to get all that we can while we are here this is our sole duty on purpose for being on earth is to learn the gospel of our savior our brother Yahshua the Messiah so we can preach for what so we can look good no so people could pat us on the back? No. Well, we preach for what? Saving of a soul. Saving of a soul or preach for a witness. And uh -huh. with all that, if you got anything out of that, please give all the credit to our brother, our Savior, Yahshua and Messiah, because if it was up to me, y'all still be lost. And with okay. that, I say hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Dr. Crook. And for our final speaker for this evening's lecture, um, last 13 minutes, I believe, uh, will be Dr. Rhonda Brazil. Dr. Brazil? Rhonda, um, if you could, I know you sent me a chat um, about Adam's transgression. So if you can expound on that for the class, because this is a school. And if uh, there's a correction for me, I would love to hear it and for everyone else to hear it as well. Good evening to the class. Good evening. Good evening. 
I um, enjoyed the remarks of the previous speaker and it was uh, very edifying all of the um, all of the preaching that Yahweh did tonight to bring out those principles like the previous speaker was talking about and that's what we want to follow as principles and not get lost with the manifestation which changes but the principle remains the same right. so what I sent to Dr. Hamilton was um, the there is a lecture of, of Dr. Kelly where he talks about Adam and the transgression and he he brings out in this um, actually it's a discussion he brings out in this discussion um, a point that he wanted the um, body or at least this particular brethren who had written a paper about Adam transgression and he wanted to clear up what this brother had written in the paper and clear up what he indicated had been erroneously uh, projected about Adam. And uh, this particular discussion, as I was explaining or letting Dr. Hamilton know, Dr. Kinley went into some detailed explanation about how Yahweh is working the principles with Adam and Eve in the garden that reflect Yahshua. Because there was some confusion with this brethren that um, if Adam is a figure of the Messiah, then Adam had to be without sin like the Messiah. And he was telling this brother, and that's not how that is, um, that Adam was a confessed sinner, in fact. But what he explained to this brethren was how Adam, because the, the, the title of the um, paper was Adamic Transgression, he was explaining to this brethren that Adam was not in the transgression, but Eve was the one that was in the transgression. And Dr. Hamilton went through that pamphlet and you can see that um, those that walked with Dr. Kinley, many of them did hear that. And that was uh, partly what was gone into. But Dr. Kinley made it clear that in doing what he did, just like it was brought out, Adam was a figure of Yahshua the Messiah, but Adam was a degenerator and that he brought mm -hmm. it down in sin. Like it mm -hmm. says in Romans five, and the Messiah was a regenerator and he brought mm -hmm. the person or he brought mankind out of sin. Mm -hmm. And that Yahshua did it without sin but adam did it by trans or he he did it by going against the commandment of yahweh and mm -hmm. he did so by philoprogenitiveness or the love of his bride so this is where some confusion comes in because either adam 
is in the transgression or he's not. Now, this is what Yahweh carefully explained to me to make you understand the distinction that Yahweh is talking about. And I want to preface this. There's a minister on earth who came up with this. Nobody. Right. Nobody could go in that Bible and glean what I am about to tell you. How Dr. Kelly explained that Adam was not in the transgression. Now, this is what he explained to me. Just letting you know. He said, now, Rhonda, I did not say that Adam did not sin. Adam did sin. Go back to this discussion. He explains that. He said, Rhonda, I did not say that Adam didn't disobey the commandment. He did disobey the commandment. Mm-hmm. And sin is the transgression of the law. He said, Rhonda, what I said was that Adam was not in the transgression. Mm. Now we think there's no distinction. That's how stupid I was. I didn't think there was a distinction. But he asked me this question. He said, now, Rhonda, what is the transgression? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> what I, I, what, uh, Yeah, what is the transgression that you could be in or out of? Now, Yahweh by the Holy Spirit signified what it was when he said through Paul. Now, Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. The transgression. That is a particular transaction, if you will, that Yahweh is talking about. He's talking about something particular. And what Paul is saying indicates what particular he's talking about. Adam was not deceived. But the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Now that's on your chart. When you look at that chart, the chart on the pattern, the plan of salvation, Adam is up there in that garden. He is sitting between those two trees. Chart on the pattern or plan of salvation, please. Oh, sorry. And then he is on the chart. His aspect or his direction he's looking is at the woman who is at the tree with the angel. And there's mm-hmm. a snake painted around the tree. We mm-hmm. understand that, at, that Eve was not talking to a snake he right. was talking to a beautiful angel, Satan, right. or that Lucifer spirit that appeared to her in that uh, form in the garden. Right. Right. And she's entertaining a conversation with that angel that we read in oh, Genesis, the sorry. third chapter. Apologies, five minutes, Rhonda. <laughs> the third chapter. Okay, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But sorry. will you go back? You go back yourself this is what mm-hmm. we are so derelict about go that's back right. and research it yourself yes. that's mm-hmm. what i um, advise to dr hamilton's go back and look at this discussion that dr kenley had mm-hmm. and it's not the only place he has this and has has explained this but adam was not deceived he's watching what the woman is doing 
So what we always said and what always was depicted to us was that he willingly died for his bride. He understood that Yahweh told him the truth, that he's going to die. But he didn't know by practical experience what death was. But the love of his bride is why he did what he did. So his intent was different from her intent. She desired to be wise and took upon herself to contravene what Yahweh said to work upon it, if you will. Mm -hmm. But he died because he loved her, which made him the example of the Messiah. Mm-hmm. and took him out of that transaction now it repeats itself later on in the scriptures and that's how Yahweh works he doesn't say one thing one time and it only means that what right there he repeats itself now you have to come back to find out about that <laughs> did we lose you Dr. Brazil or no I'm sorry that's stop just, oh <laughs> <laughs> he said I had five minutes <laughs> You said that's it. Oh, it's five minutes over. No, it wasn't. I, I did oh. that by mistake. You got three minutes. <laughs> oh, okay, but you still have to come back <laughs> because it, it does repeat in in right. Yahweh's purpose. Another time where the same scenario transpires and um, it happens again. And in fact, what I was this is another aspect, um, another different principle that I sent to another brother. And Dr. Kelly was talking about how what happened in the Garden of Eden was fulfilled by Yahshua in the Garden of Gethsemane and how the mm-hmm. world cannot connect the two. By this divine vision and revelation, Yahweh connects the two. And he lets you see and understand what it is that Yahshua is doing when he's taking the apostles up into the Garden of Gethsemane. Mm-hmm. And the apostles are um, representative of the assembly or the bride or the female. You understand? Like it was gone through by Dr. Sasha Rekmelovich about the female. Israel represents that female. What apostles would represent that? And they were defenseless. You understand? Like that woman who was innocent at that time when she was being beguiled by Satan. Yahshua is a repeat, of course, he's the second man, Adam, of the first man, Adam. And then you had Judas, who would be that serpent who entered into the garden. Now, what Dr. Kinley brought out about that and that Yahshua was fulfilling what was going on in the garden of Gethsemane was that when Yahshua came back and he went, he had gone to pray three times, he came back and he saw that the apostles had, or the disciples were asleep. And he says to the disciples, now, why can't you wait with me one hour? One hour. Mm-hmm. So that statement, he is fulfilling and he is bringing to light how long it was he was in the garden in fulfillment of how long Adam was in the garden. Because Adam was shown to be in the garden. Remember, Dr. Cook talked about principle and there's manifestation and there's principle. Well, Adam was shown by Moses' vision to be in the garden 40 days. Well, with prophetic time, that 40 days can be likened unto 40 years. And that 40 years is one hour with Yahweh. A thousand years is day, one day is a thousand years. 24 hours into a thousand is 
40, 41. The principal is 40. And right. that 40 represents an hour. Now there's two transcripts again that I told um, the other brother about, and that's living in the last days where Dr. Kinley goes through that on page six and mm -hmm. hour of prayer when he goes through this principle on page 23. It's remarkable what Yahweh has told us. And mm -hmm. he has explained a lot to us if we dare to go back and look into it. Mm -hmm. So that's what, um, that's all the clarification I have. And there's a lot more to it. I can't do it in 10 minutes, but there's a lot more to it. And the other mm -hmm. thing, repeat of it that I have is an uh, explanation but there's a repeat of that that happened with Adam and Eve in the garden mm -hmm. but um mm. hope you got mm. something but more importantly please go back and look at it yourself go back mm -hmm. and read mm -hmm. hallelujah thank you hallelujah thank you Dr. Brazil and that brings the conclusion to our lecture this evening. We want to thank all of our brethren and our visitors who came out and studied with us this evening. We hold classes on Zoom Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And on Sundays from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. In-person class are conducted every other Sunday and those will be from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. This Sunday's class will be a Zoom class from 11.30 to 1.30. Uh, can we all um, rise in our heart and mind for doxology? Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both before all time, now and ever. Let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah.